Greetings, fellow listeners. How's it going? You can't reply, but we assume that you're going pretty well. But the man that can reply is Sam. How are you going? Yeah, Terry, I'm uh, very good, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, can't complain. Thanks for asking. Really appreciate that. Anyway, today's podcast episode is a very interesting one. We've got a special surprise for you that we're going to get into the body of the episode. I'm not going to reveal it now, so keep listening and stay tuned. But we're going to be talking about Saudi Arabia, the country. Um, It's a very, very good episode. Plenty of meat to this bone. Sam, are you excited? Yeah, yeah, very keen. I've never, I've never been to the country myself, um, and don't really know a lot about the country. But you know, looking into it, it does, uh, you know, it does turn up a few interesting uh, facts, and um, you know, as usual, going to turn those stones and uh, get right into it. Can't wait to do the turning process of those stones. So stay tuned and strap yourselves in, guys. Wow. Affordable, custom, and tailor-made fencing solutions. Whether it's residential, commercial, or for your farming needs, we know the place that ticks those boxes and so many more. Damn cheap wholesalers. They put a smile on your dial as well as a double thumbs up, just like the logo. One of the biggest importers in Australia, specialising in metal and fabrication. No design or desire is too tough for these guys. Located in South Australia but servicing your fencing needs nationwide. They're on Facebook and Instagram. Type in damn cheap wholesalers. Once again, damn cheap wholesalers. Yippee. The business makeover specialists, Danny LaRosa Design. Wanting something new, something fresh? Logos, business cards, publications, Digital designs, visit the one-stop shop. Danny LaRosa Design. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram, and that is her handle at Danny LaRosa Design. Website is www.dannylarosadesign.com. Make the change today. What are you waiting for? So we're going to talk about the real Saudi Arabia. Not the political nonsense we've heard about the nation through the media. We're going to give you an unbiased look at the country, the history, its leadership, economy, religion, and of course, some fun facts, but most importantly, maybe a conspiracy or three. But before we uh, sink our teeth into it, because there's plenty of meat on this bone, we've got a little special surprise for you all today. Don't we, Sam? Sure do. Okay. This special surprise is someone that's uh, a mutual person that Sam and I both know. We actually went to university with him, but now he's uh, he's a bit of a turncoat and he's gone over to Victoria. The man's name is John. John, welcome to the podcast. Tell everyone, thank. Who are you and what are you doing here? <laughs> thank you, Terry and Sam. It's a a real honour to join the Turning Stones podcast, where no stone is left unturned uh a bit like talk back radio so uh long time listener first time call it's fantastic um <laughs> happy to have you on board thanks john it's great it's great i guess uh you gave it away uh i met you guys at university so just like uh the both of you i'm a chartered accountant 
made the plunge over to Victoria, now working for, uh, I would describe him as a multinational conglomerate uh, in the financial services sector, uh, mainly dealing in insurance and reinsurance uh, along with management consulting. Uh, so my role is actually uh, leads me around the world. So usually I, I travel monthly and uh, I've been most fortunate enough to get into Saudi Arabia or the kingdom as, as they call it, um, which was an absolute experience and one that obviously uh, starts off and you have this impression in your head and then uh, we will go through, I guess, the, the details and turn the stones today. Uh, but uh, no, it's 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 a real privilege to be here. Absolutely, and and once again, thank you for joining us. And yeah, a lot of a lot of you listeners would have thought, what's a chartered accountant or another one of those uh, dickheads doing on a on you know on this podcast about Saudi Arabia? But the reason is is because John is one of the very rare um, non-Muslim white individuals that are able to go to Saudi Arabia. So why not get someone that's actually sort of felt the soil, drank the water and uh, smoked the shisha um, over there and he's actually had some, you know, ground experience. Sam, how about you kick us off? You've been pretty quiet, mate. Um, yeah, thanks, Terry. I just uh, obviously, you know, taking it all in from uh, our friend John and, yeah, we hope to get into some of his experiences uh, as we get through this podcast. So, yeah, let's uh, get into some general info about uh, Saudi Arabia um, the official name is uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, um, or KSA, um, we can use. Uh, it was founded and established on uh, the 23rd of September 1932. So, um, yeah, fair, uh, fair age. Um, so it's loca located in Western Asia, uh, in the Arabian Peninsula, um, with a land, uh, land area of approximately 2.15 uh, square Kilometers, oh, 2.15 million square kilometers, should I say? <laughs> that would have been a small bloody country. Um, bloody oath, wouldn't have fit you. <laughs> um, it's the 12th largest uh, <laughs> country in the world, um, and it's bordered by uh, Jordan um, and Iraq to the north, Kuwait to the northeast, uh, Qatar, Bahrain, and the UAE um, to the east. Uh, Oman to the southeast and Yemen to the south. So yeah, they've got a fair few, um, fair few neighbours there. Um, I guess uh, everyone knows, you know, you have your good neighbours and bad neighbours. So they probably have, uh, you know, a few that they uh, take some, or you know, will give them a, a cup of sugar or something if they ask for it, and a few that uh, they might have a few punch-ons with. But uh, we'll get through uh, a few of that, a few of those stories maybe later on. But um, the capital city uh, is. <laughs> Uh, Riyadh, Riyadh, is that how you say it? We might have to ask John for that one. Riyadh? Yeah, John. Yeah, it's definitely Riyadh. Riyadh, okay, mm, all right. That's excellent Good. pronunciation. Okay, thank you. Um, and we have got a population figure from 2019. They reckon there's uh, about 34.2 million people there. Um, and very interesting fact: 50% of um of the population are aged under 25 years old, which is wow. Um, yeah, pretty interesting. So it's one of the world's uh, youngest population. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I don't know if we've got any um, thoughts of why that may be. Um, I, I'm not sure. Maybe they just populate uh, 
populate pretty often and the oldies uh, get knocked off uh, early. I don't know. <laughs> I think, um, well, there, there is a fun fact that we're going to go through, Sam, a bit later on, but we might as well just bring it to the floor now. And mm. basically, uh, birth control is illegal in Saudi Arabia. So um, I guess, you know, no, quite, no country is shy of getting it in. And these guys not only get it in, but they leave it in. Um, mm, so true. hence the reason why there's probably a lot of young kids roaming around, a lot of little shits there that probably cop a few backhanders, but, um, I look good on them. They're, uh, they're doing what we've, uh, what our, our ultimate mission statement is on earth and that's to mm. populate. So yeah. Mm, true. yeah, good on you, 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 uh, Saudis or your KSAs as some might say, maybe Sam, that's what you might call them, but never heard of someone calling them KSAs, but John, what are your uh, thoughts yeah. on the birth control situation? It's a very interesting topic, uh, Terry and Sam, birth control, especially in, in a country like KSA. And yes, it's perfectly fine to call it KSA. Yeah, so <laughs> in terms of birth control, what I would say, it's like any developing country. We just need to remember it's still a developing country. So um, there are always, I guess, um, uh, great positive factors to have more kids than less obviously to help you around the house or to, to help you um, in terms of farming and doing work uh, and then as as countries have developed just like in the western world uh, the birth rates do decline because uh, kids start to become quite costly so interesting fact mm, that's mm. a good point actually so i guess by christmas time you know um, well they don't celebrate christmas but um you know like a normal uh holiday event they um you know, <laughs> some of these stupid kids around here buddy asking their parents like for ipads and iphones and they're only bloody four years old whereas they're they're just happy with a you know a box of dates and mm. you know just maybe a hug from their mother or father on on their special day so um yeah you're right i think that's that's a very good point john developing countries the key word there mm. excellent Sam, keep going. Yeah, um, a few more, uh, yeah, a few more facts for you. Uh, currency over there in the uh, in the kingdom uh, is the Saudi rial. Um, so I'm sure uh, John had a few of those on the uh, company credit card. Um, uh, the religion is uh, is it Sunni Islam? Is that is that correct pronunciation? I assume. Correct, correct. It's yeah. definitely Sunni. Sunni. All right, there we go. Um, Sam, and, Sam's actually become a bit of a cult figure about pronunciations. Um, mm. You know, he's had some tongue twisters over the time of our adventures with Turning Stones, and he's nailed every single one of them. So mm. kudos to you. Oh, I, I just Thanks, really man. wonder if Sam could nail the other major form of I, 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 um, Islam. The there's the, form. Yeah, there's two. There's Sunni and Shia. I just um, the spelling can sometimes. Uh, Get you in a bit of a tongue twister. Ah, right. Okay. So well, if, now, if you gave if you gave Sam the chance, John, yeah, he he would have nailed it again. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Terry. Just got my back there. That's good. I appreciate that. Um, yes, and uh, of course the language. Speaking of uh, language, is Arabic. It would be a bit weird if it wasn't uh, wasn't an Arabic speaking country. So yeah, a few um a few facts there. Um, should we jump into some history uh, on the country? Yeah, um, this is just not your, your standard history. This is more your ancient history I thought we'd just touch up on. Because, um, I mean, really, you can just go to Wikipedia or just type in Saudi Arabia history or KSA history and read up for yourself because there's a lot to dive into. And when it, when we're referring to it as the kingdom, there's a lot of shit there. Um, 
to go through with, you know, kings and emperors and all that mm. other princes and all that. We're not going to go through that sort of stuff, but we are just. So basically, you know, there is evidence that human habitation in the Arabian Peninsula dates back to 125,000 years ago. So, you know, that's a fucking long time ago. Um, mm. Not sure. Uh, if they were the first human beings or not, but boy, that's, that's a long time ago. Um, and then there was a 2011 study that found the most modern humans to spread across uh, Asia, which left Africa around 75,000 years ago. Um, and this was across the Bab el Mandeb connecting the Horn of Africa and Arabia. So maybe that Saudi Arabia did originate maybe from an Egyptian area or or from the from the first men. Um, and maybe the, the Saudis are actually the helpers that, that built the bloody uh, pyramids. I mean, obviously the Jewish have got their own story, um, you know, with Moses and all that. But I'm guessing the Saudis would have their own other story as well, um, mm. departing from those parts. But, yeah, this just also puts another piece of the puzzle together of that, you know, a lot of humanity did originate from Africa. So, I mean, we can go off on a tangent here, but, mm. I mean, let's just pay the respects to... Um, where the first men came from, shall we? Uh, just, just one point I'll add there, Terry, is uh, it actually is connected to Africa. So Saudi Arabia or the kingdom is connected to Africa. What is dividing it is the man-made Suez Canal. That's right, yeah. Fact. Mm. <clears throat> so, that's massive. Um, that's great. Suez Canal and man-made, well, geez, what can't we do these days? Um, making canals and... Yeah, whatever, desalinating water, we just can do it all, mate. Mm. Stay tuned to listen because there's definitely some things you cannot do in Saudi Arabia, which we'll touch on. <laughs> That's for sure, yeah. I bet, I bet. Um, should we go into leadership, Sam? Yeah. Like, you're, you're pretty keen on that. Um, this is, and It's quite different, too, um, to like a, a democratic country or even just your standard uh, piss far, Faroe Islands. Like, you know, it, it's a very different style of country. Um mm. So Saudi Arabia is an absolute monarchy, which means it includes kings and princes and whatnot and whatever you've got else in there and, you know, jokers and queens and oh, whatever other, you know, bullshit monarchy positions there are. Um, so according to the basic law of Saudi Arabia, the king must comply with the Sharia, which is part of the Islamic law or the Quran or and or the Quran. Um so that's part of actually the religion. Um, so this is where you have a leadership that's basically a monarchy, but yet you're still, even though they're basically in charge of everything, there's still um, compliance that must be dealt with the religion as well and those rules and regulations. So mm. quite interesting, and I'm sure there's uh, definitely a lot of political debates that go on there, um, and especially with family affairs. We all know that they can get pretty heated over time, and I'm sure everyone's gone through a little family dispute one way or the other so mm. imagine those those blokes over there um yeah. hey uh john have you, when you uh when you obviously traveled over there did you uh, see any of these kings or or princes or anything like that do they do they stand out from the crowd at all oh there's definitely a a photo of um the current prince uh and the historical leaders in every single building so the oh, current wow. prince name is Mohammed bin Salman uh commonly referred to as MBS so oh, if wow. you ever hear anyone referring to MBS mm -hmm. he is one of the world's richest man uh 
if anyone's been most fortunate enough to go to London, you go on the River Thames and you see the biggest yacht you've ever seen in your life, it's owned by him. Oh, okay. Wow. There you go. Hmm. Hmm. I'm surprised he hasn't gone to the Sydney to Hobart with his yacht. <laughs> He'd probably win it too. Yeah. Match fixing and bullshit like that. Pay off the wild oats and tell him, ah, I just lose this year and let me win. Anyway, um, there, there are no political parties or national elections, uh, so none of this sort of stuff is permitted in, in, in KSA, which is interesting. And I'm guessing, obviously, if you've got a monarchy, well, really, it just runs in the family, doesn't it? Um, so some critics of the country regard it as a to- totalitarian dictatorship, um, which I think some of the Saudis might have to um, attest to and or maybe even protest to, basically saying, oh, it's not too much of a dictatorship. We just believe in the family that is part of the, the royal monarchy and, you know, we, we're happy with what they've done and I guess with some other things that we're going to spitball later on, there might be a reason why you might like the way things are done. Um, so, yeah, interesting. The The Economist, which is a publication, rated the Saudi government as the fifth most authoritarian government out of 167 rated in 2012. So, basically, yeah, I guess the critics might be a bit right with its... Uh, totalitarian dictatorship um so there's maybe not enough uh latitude there for your standard civilian to sort of go out and do things whereas it's probably uh you know you're set in stone and maybe there's a bit of uh criteria you have to tick off to get some sort of freedoms um by custom all males of full age and i'm guessing over 18 um have a right to petition to the king but they have to do that directly through the traditional tribal meetings so i'm guessing before you even get to go face to face with the king you have to go through a tribe and mm-hmm. you know tell them oh you know um the council disapproved uh you know my building a shed in the backyard and <laughs> i just want to protest that to the tribal council and Jeez. you know then get this uh approved because you know there's nothing wrong with having a bit of a man cave at the back and getting away from the missus for a bit so mm. yeah well, if a... the king's on twitter maybe you can just flick him a quick tweet and uh might post uh, something back to you mm hashtag king out i don't know um start start a start a revolution but i think uh you might be seeing uh, a bullet through your head go through (laughs) quite soon straight after that so Uh, yeah no no treason against the royalty please um the royal family does dominate the political system um and fortunately enough the family's vast numbers allow it to control most of the kingdom's most important posts and they also have an involvement and presence at all levels of government now, you're thinking, oh, how big can a family be? John's sort of scratching his head too, even though he's been there. Um, how big can it be? Well, put it this way. They estimate the number of princes in KSA to be 7,000. Now, I'm just going to throw it back to Sam's original figure of the population in 2019 of 34.2 million. And I've done the math, and I'm accountants, and I'm, I'm rounding up, right? right? Um, and it's immaterial, the rounding that I'm doing. But anyway... That basically means with 7,000 princes, you have a 1 in 4,900 chance, of, if you're a man, of being a prince. It's not a bad bloody ratio because, <laughs> I mean, if you're part of that royal family and if you're a prince, you're laughing. Mm. Everything's looked good. after. You get the best of the best. Pretty um, good for the uh, gold diggers over there too. They're just uh, you know, having a few pot shots and pick up a couple of the, a couple blokes at the local shisha house and maybe there might be a prince uh, with any luck. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, not a bad ratio at all. So did you ever encounter uh, one of these 7,000 princes there, John? 
I've got a couple of interesting stories. I I, I assume I have encountered some of these uh, royals, as one may say. Um, of course, they're quite easily identifiable when you're driving around in your brand new Buick or Rolls Royce Ghost Phantom. Um, I I had a feeling I encountered one when I was at the Ritz Carlton having a dinner. It was a Fantastic. Just on a side note, we also encountered Xi Jinping, the president of China there. Absolutely amazing experience. So I assume there was also a royal there, but I uh, was too busy focusing on uh, President Xi. <laughs> you were too busy getting stuck into the Ritz-Carlton's uh, main course, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, it was a good steak. Yeah. <laughs> nice uh, Wagyu uh, porterhouse steak there. Marbling of nine, I reckon. Probably a tomahawk being there. Mm. Delicious. Um, Sam, how about you go through the economy? Uh, you love your sort of uh, facts and figures there, and why not just earth. get into mm. that, would you? Yeah, of course. As accountants, uh, we love to talk about the economy. Just and hurry up and get into other it. Other boring shit. Um, <laughs> piss off, Terry. Uh, right, so as of uh, October 2018, um, Saudi Arabia is, is the largest economy in the Middle East, which I, f- I find is pretty uh, interesting because – they got a few competitors um, over there, um, but yeah, obviously uh, they're doing a few things right. Probably digging oil out of the ground is probably one one of the main things. But uh, so yeah, so 18th largest economy in the world. Um, wow. And <clears throat> Saudi Arabia also has the uh, the world's second largest proven petroleum reserve. So yeah, like I said, pretty huge in the um, in the oil uh, sector. Um, they are actually the largest exporter of petroleum. Um, so, you know, if you're filling up your, uh, your tank of fuel down at the local, uh, BP or whatever you, whatever your preference is. For convenience, OTR. Yeah, OTR, yep, whatever your preference is. Um, chances are it could be, uh, could be from, um, Saudi Arabia. So, interesting. Um, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia for you, mate. Uh, sorry, KSA, that's right. I was, uh, corrected for calling it that and then, uh proven right in the end but anyway um so they also have the uh fifth largest proven natural gas reserve um so that also helps on the uh, economy side of things too um so yeah they're they're pretty much considered to be um an energy superpower because you know obviously they've they've got a lot of uh those um you know exportable uh products like yeah petroleum and uh, those kind of um, energy sources. Um, so they also they also do a lot of uh, water desalinization, um, as Terry told us or mentioned before. So apparently, fifty uh, percent of their drinking water comes from uh, desalination. So that's um, that's a lot. So obviously, being in the middle of Should nowhere, I? yeah, being in the being in the desert probably doesn't help with that. Um, so they have to get uh, some way. <clears throat> um, yeah. So and forty uh, percent uh, of the uh, uh, from the uh, mining or non-renewable groundwater, and then they got 10% that uh, is from surface water, so not uh, not a lot there. Um, just quickly on that, John, how did you go with uh, drinking the old H2O there in Saudi Arabia? Was it hard to come oh, up? A couple of interesting points you raised, but specifically on H2O, uh, the hotel had plenty of bottled water. It's called Al Ain. It's oh, right. a fantastic drop. It Tastes perfectly fine. Uh, mm. Water was not an issue for what uh, I what I could see. But however, I was in the capital, 
mm. where obviously they have vast resources. So unsurprisingly, uh, it was perfectly fine. Mm. You lucky man, because I'm pretty sure some of the civilians there would uh, really uh, struggle with the, with the water supply. Um, there, there is a service quality issue on the water, um, and they're saying that, it, yeah, the service quality is quite poor. Um, so, for example, uh, in Riyadh, which is the capital, water was only available uh, once every two and a half days um, in 2011, so, which wasn't long ago. Um, while in Jeddah, uh, it was only ever available every nine days. So I'm mm. not too sure how much you were allowed every nine days, for example. Maybe it was like, you know, three, four litres or a bit more than that, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, the, the supply wasn't coming in daily, which is yeah, uh, crazy, quite bizarre. But um, yeah, um, interesting facts that you brought up, Sam. And also, water is provided almost for free, um, given the substantial oil wealth that the company, or not the company, but the uh, the the country has, mm. and uh, all the other petroleum reserves that they do have as well. So, I mean, that, that's one little, uh, I guess, that's a bit of silver lining there, is that you're not getting it every day, but when you do get it, you're not paying for it. Mm. We'll take that. That's it. Why not? Mm, that's what I reckon. Have a nice long shower or, or 10. Um, all righty. So um, we're going to jump into a bit of uh, tourism and, and uh, visiting the uh, country. So we'll probably get a, a bit of input from uh, from our friend John um, on this one as well. Um, so yes, very minimal uh, leisure tourism, as as we've said, uh, you know, and as John explained, he's traveled there for business, of course. So um, yeah, a lot of that, uh, the travel um that you know a lot of the people that travel to that country in particular um go for business or they also um go there for religious pilgrimages uh which is very interesting obviously um you know islam being a pretty pretty big religion around the world people uh, head uh, head to saudi arabia um so majority of their visa applications um yeah like i said are for visa or work purposes or um uh, an invitation from the kingdom um, but um, interesting, the uh, the information that's provided by Australian uh, Travel Smart. Um, this is this is not including. Uh, well, we're ignoring COVID nineteen issues that uh, may have uh, may have still been in place. Um, so yeah, Australia is pretty much being told not to travel to Saudi Arabia. So um, yeah, John, I guess uh, you're you're just ignoring that and uh, travelling over there, obviously for business purposes. But you're a, uh, just a reckless unit. Um, Jolo, Sam. Jolo. <laughs> I like that. Um, so we'll go through a few of the things that they state on the uh, uh, the uh, Smart Traveler website, John, and maybe we'll get uh, get your opinion on whether these uh, or whether you might have witnessed or or um, come close to witnessing a few things from here. Um, so they state that their uh, terrorists could strike an- anywhere at any time. Um, so I don't know if you you were in, in any high risk uh, situations there, but probably not in the hotel you're at. Sounds like it was pretty uh, high class for the Chinese president to be there. Uh, quite in- interesting points. Just backing it up a little mm. on the visa, it, it was honestly the most arduous, annoying visa process I've ever gone through in my life. I I get numerous work visas. Uh, on a monthly basis, and this was the most painful visa experience I've ever ever had to go through. I had to get all these signatures from shipping companies in Australia. I don't know why. Had to get formal letters of invitation from the Kingdom departments. It was just 
Wow. Crazy. Did he include an anal probe? <laughs> uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would have felt that one. Another I- interesting fact is some of the travel was quite restricted even within the country. So the city of Mecca, which is mm. the main or a city of uh, most significance to the is- Islamic faith, uh, is not allowed to be visited by anyone who is a non Muslim, so that's a very interesting right. point there. Wow. How, how can you tell if they're Muslim or not? That's, that's what I want to know, eh? Um, I mean, obviously, they've got their some of their rituals, maybe that, that take place at birth, and maybe there's some, you know, physical indicators, but do you have to, like, I mean, yeah, it's just weird if they go to those extremes to maybe prove the point. So... I'll- I think that's an interesting point, Terry. Uh, just remember that Saudi Arabia still practice capital punishment. So I've actually been to the square where they have the blood drain still in place where they behead Jeez. people on. Not so frequently now, but uh, <laughs> at least a couple times a year they still do public beheadings. Wow. Wow. Uh, so I reckon it's more, or in my opinion, it'll be more of an honesty system and I don't think anyone would have the guts to... Mm. Uh, make a false statutory declaration. Uh, it's yep. not a ten thousand dollar fine like here in Australia. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a probably going to be publicly beheaded. So <laughs> that's fair enough. I mean, and, and it's good to hear that they've got you know some of the blood plumbing systems there. Um, mm. obviously you don't want pools of blood just lingering around in the city. They've obviously got the the piping and you know the plumbing there to sort of drain it off and. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they can really... com- uh, convert that to water as well so they can drink it after. Ah, you can desalinate anything, mate, even the old piss. <laughs> a- uh, apologies, I digressed a bit. So Sam's question was on how uh, safe did I feel in yeah. in the actual country and there was a threat of terrorist attacks. I, To be honest, I felt 110% safe. Um, there was not one or maybe one or two instances where the Uber driver got lost because we put in the wrong... <laughs> destination there were some areas that look like if you watch any arabic movie and you're looking like you're going in a, into a slum and it's going to be an ied explodes that's what it looked like but other than that i felt completely safe um we also uh-huh. went into what's known locally as a diplomatic quarter which is fascinating uh which obviously every single country or western country has their consulate uh and they base a lot of the Arabian consulates in Saudi mm. Arabia. So that they have this whole area known as a diplomatic quarter. So if you think about it, that probably is one area that wants that every single extremist of any faith would mm. want to blow up. So yeah, there's some true. ridiculous security checks there. Yeah, and right. Full on armored trucks and guns and tanks. Oh, Fascinating right. stuff. But no, I felt completely safe. Oh, mm. so so basically, I mean, you haven't even gone through some of the smart traveller points there, Sam. No, yeah, I'm still so far. Uh, John's given us some, you know, reasons to go there, but I guess in, mm. you know, it's not as easy as you think it is. But right. I guess you know it's not all it's cracked up to be. And we did promise that we're going to give you a, an unbiased look at the country, mm. um, and we're going to give you the real Saudi Arabia, none of this political nonsense that we see in the media, or you know. Uh, the fake media that sometimes it is. Um, but, yeah, ke- keep going through a few points, and then maybe John can touch on those as well. Yeah, yeah, thank you. 
Um, yeah, so uh, they, Saudi Arabia has also got a uh, an ongoing conflict with Yemen, one of their uh, their neighbours. As I said before, you know you can't get a, get along with all your neighbours. I guess sometimes you might have a, a bit of a scuffle. So um, their scuffles can uh, sometimes include cross border uh, missiles being fired and rockets and drone attacks. So um, yeah, you probably don't want to be involved in in too many of those. But I guess depending on where you are in the country as well, it's not. Um, it's probably not highly likely that you're going to uh, witness anything like that. Um, they also, so, you know, you know, he just mentioned with neighbours how sometimes you know you're, you're friends with them or not, you can mm. share a cup of sugar with them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens if you have got diabetes? Um, maybe a, uh, ooh, I don't know. What can cup, we? Cup of, if imagine you know your your neighbours trying to be friendly and uh, mm. a cup of sugar, sugar. like oh, I'm actually diabetic. Like what the fuck are you True. doing? And maybe a cup. Cup of steam. The, oh yeah, I'm not too sure about the insulin shot, but uh, <laughs> in terms of Yemen, it's uh, that's interesting. It's definitely a proxy war between the US and Russia happening in Yemen. That's being play, played out by the the Saudis, or it's not directly Saudi. It's Saudi backed um, yeah. people in Yemen, and yeah, yeah it's right. it's quite messy, but. From what I hear from some of my colleagues, Yemen is a beautiful place, so it's quite... Oh, absolutely. Nice. There's plenty of layers to the onion, that's for sure. <laughs> um, all righty, what else we got? Uh, they're also, um, they're, they also say to avoid large public, uh, public gatherings um, and take care around Friday prayer times. Um, so I don't know if you're involved with any of those uh, Friday prayer times when you're there, John, but... Uh, Were you there on a Friday? I was there on a Friday. I landed there on a Friday. And for everyone who doesn't know, uh, the Islamic world, uh, so countries in the Middle East most predominantly, uh, the weekend's actually different. So Friday and Saturday is a weekend. Sunday is a work day. Oh, yeah. wow. Really? So when you got there and you landed at the airport, say, example, on a Friday, did you just take your shirt off and say, Friday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Probably wouldn't want to be risking it. Uh, they have some strict dress codes, which I'm I'm sure we will touch on a bit later. But uh, definitely no taking off shirt or wearing shorts. Mm, interesting. Okay. Mm. Um. All right. Well, we'll keep we'll keep going through these uh, things from the Australian smart traveller. Maybe not so smart after hearing uh, some comments from John, who's been <laughs> Just there. Traveller. Yeah. Um. So they reckon crime rates are low. So I guess that um you know, backs up uh, John's uh, theory that it's pretty safe over there. Um, but they reckon theft does happen, um, especially in crowded places um, and from vehicles. So uh, they reckon keep your doors locked and windows up even when you're moving. So I don't know if, uh, you know, some bloke's going to jump in front of your car and, uh, and, hold, and you know, carjack you or something like that. I don't know. And uh, they reckon to hide your valuables. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You just well, if really... you've got some Saudi real just hanging out of your pocket, like a few notes just, you know, peeking out, I mean, why wouldn't you just take a couple of mm. uh, <laughs> a couple of yeah. notes there and add yep. them to the piggy bank? Well, just your bank. <laughs> yeah. yeah nah, from my, from my experience, uh, smart travelers normally o- overrated. I'm not saying mm. don't follow the advice. I think everyone should read it. Uh, or your respective countries' travel warnings. It's yep. great advice, but normally a, take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah, mm. yeah, no, spot Definitely. on. 
Um, they also reckon to be prepared for extreme weather. I mean, I guess it's you know, it's pretty rich telling uh, Australians to be um, prepared for some extreme weather because we cop a fair bit. But they reckon from June to August, um, temperatures can reach over 50 degrees Celsius. Um, and also, you could be faced with uh, some sandstorms and dust storms. I mean, sandstorm, the, the song's pretty good, but probably not uh, good conditions to be uh, going uh, and doing some travelling in. So, I don't know, John, did you um, did you travel between any of those months or did you see any sandstorms or dust storms? We went during wintertime, which was still around 35 degrees, but it was quite ple- pleasurable. Uh, no, I didn't see any sandstorms, but I saw no. plenty of uh, Holden Commodores for anyone who knows what they are. They're, they're known as Luminas. Oh, nice. uh, pl- plenty of those that look like they have been through plenty of sandstorms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Any skids get ripped over there, John? Oh, I, I don't think that would be no. overly too perm- permissible. No, that must be an Australian, I heard, uh, Bridgestone Potenza is the tire of choice there for <laughs> all those um all those skids and all that mm. sort of stuff. Good grip on the sand, they reckon. Yeah. Um, um and then last point, they say uh, driving can be hazardous. Um, the annual road death toll is extremely high, so um yeah, pretty in a bit of danger if you're going to be travelling uh, in a car there. So yeah, John, you said that your Uber driver got lost when you were over there. Um, so I guess you might have been a little bit worried if you uh, had found out that the death toll is pretty high, but oh well. Sam, I, I really do think you touched on some great points there. Uh, what can I say? I guess uh, everyone drives with their pedal to the metal there. It's it's crazy. Oh. You see the, the, the weaving in and out, no regards to the law in terms of stopping and giving way. It's a bit <laughs> very liberal, but just like you, so, and just like everyone who's listening to this podcast, this whole smart traveller thing and the Yemen conflict paints a picture and mm. you build up this picture in your head and you build expectations. And, that, and that's exactly what happened in yeah. my case. I had all these expectations of the country. I wasn't expecting to leave the hotel f- for two weeks. I packed my tennis racket and my tennis balls to go play on the tennis courts. Yeah, yeah. But it was the complete opposite to what I expected. It was a... Fantastic yeah, right. place. Were you talking and about there, like the real tennis even, racket and tennis balls, or something? You were referring to something else, <laughs> a bit more personal. Definitely <laughs> the real tennis racket and balls. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be bringing in anything too uh, mysterious into too bulky <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it would probably give me a little bit of an. an anxiety attack just like one of my colleagues was filling out the visa application and it has a section there talking about if you are married or have a partner and he was and he isn't married yet but he lives with a partner and i told him not to write partner in case to get the wrong idea and we all go to jail <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Jeez. Good, point, good point um i just get the real you know feeling that they just love cruising around in holding commas in sam storms playing sam storm <laughs> yeah beautiful it's definitely interesting. You could, well, it's, you heard it here first on Turning Stones podcast. Saudi Arabia and Riyadh is going to be the next biggest city in the Middle East with yeah, the right. soundstorm pl- playing in the background. It definitely is. <laughs> Lovely. So you know how you have, the, <laughs> you have Dubai now? It's going to be Riyadh. The amount of development that's going on there is yeah. ridiculous. Even 
when I was there, so you talk about large crowds and things, mm-hmm. uh, that, that you could feel the tension in the country because there are parts of the country that want to o- open up and be more liberal. Uh, so, for example, they only just started allowing women to drive and to mm-hmm. smoke. So the older mm-hmm. guys, the, the older Uber drivers, they were spitting chips. Oh, females can't smoke. Why are they driving <laughs> for? But the young ones, they, they just are free and they're yeah, right. liberal. They listen to yep. the Western music. Mm. So I guess, yeah, I guess they're a, different. They ha- yeah, they had been a bit too, um, you know, sort of prehistoric and uh, based in, you know, the ancient time in uh, their laws and traditions and um, what they follow, I guess. So, yeah, a lot, a lot um, you know, a lot of the time in the Middle East, yeah, that does happen, I guess. You know, they, they follow these traditions and then eventually it, it just breaks down um, to make money and to go anywhere. I guess they they have to um, accept some of the Western Westernized traditions and yeah, get on with life and yeah, start maybe cranking sandstorm and partying. Mm. Um, <laughs> imagine telling one of the Uber drivers that you know you come from a country that was once run by you know a female being uh, <laughs> the old Jay Gillard. Um, mm. Obviously, you know um, whether you're into politics or not, she did run the country at one point and you know God bless her. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that, that driving, the, the hazardous driving by the Saudis there. I mean, the police take it easy and obviously mm. um, stop, revive, survive, and yeah, stop pulling handbrakes around the corner. Mm. Um, now let's uh, obviously we've gone through some tourism um, and a few facts around that, and thanks John for sharing your uh, insights there um, around that uh, those uh, topics. So. Um, Terry, your probably your favourite segment of uh, any, oh, any of our wait. podcasts is uh, the fun facts. So get us uh, cracking on a few of those. So you probably can't hear it, but I'm licking my lips right now. Just hang on. All right. Um, <laughs> so basically, fun fact time. Um, and there's plenty of them with Saudi Arabia. And this is the beauty of um, diving deep into countries like this is because I personally don't know too much about these countries. Mm. Um, and especially Saudi Arabia, and this is where not only I learn something, but hopefully you, the listener, learn something. And and John, well, you know this like the back of your hand, so you know um, this should all just be a refresher for you. Um, but as you mentioned before, there is no wearing shorts in KSA. So um, despite it reaching up to 50 degrees uh, Celsius in the summer, um, no shorts whatsoever, and that that means no budgie smugglers, smugglers at all, Sam. Jeez. So it's for you, but what do you no do in, in, in the heat? You said 35 degrees in winter, which is a hot summer's day for us. How'd you cope? Or is the aircon pretty good? Oh, everything is definitely well air-conditioned. I was in jeans. Uh, I definitely was not taking taking that risk there of uh, probably being in prison for wearing shorts. Mm. Jeez. So that, that's like, but the the locals don't the locals wear like lo, local dress which it's hard to explain if you just Google uh, Saudi Arabian or actually no it's not hard to explain picture traditional Arabian robes with the um the special thing on their head mm-hmm. it's yep. quite easy yeah yep. right right there is a um, name for them um. For that, for that Arabic garment. Um, it skips my mind, but... Yeah. I wonder uh, where they draw the line with the shorts. Could you reckon you wear, like, three-quarter length pants? Is it a thorb? Get away with it. A thorb? I think, I think it is a, a thorb. I'm, I'm sure it is. And, Sam, 
back to your point, where they draw the line. Mm. Well, they're actually trying to open up the country to tourists. So they are definitely uh, being a little bit more liberal in terms of their approaches. And I do mm. recommend uh, people to go check out Saudi Arabia, great country. Uh, just hold off a little bit if if you tend to have some some views or think that you're going to be able to protest in a country like that, uh, I will definitely hold off. <laughs> mm. oh, I'm just keen to go there for the desalinated water and maybe, <laughs> you know, enjoy some of their delicacies and maybe just, you know, really, you know, cool off under the air conditioner. I mean, mm. why, else, why else would you go there? Actually, you know what? I I'll was make... actually... Sorry, Sam. I was actually no, there no. in a quite historical time. Uh the first time in, don't remember how many years, but I would say it would probably be a hundred or so years. Uh, they actually were holding public concerts, so they had oh. Bruno Mars there, Pitbull, Alicia <laughs> Keys, um, D- Dimitri Vegas, and and like Mike. Oh, wow. They they had all these five star acts Jeez. playing every single night. It was fascinating. Mm. So that's so it comes back to the I guess um, how you build up a place in your head and the expectations and. Mm. That just blew my mind. I was not expecting it whatsoever. Very mm. interesting, yeah. That yeah. is interesting. And even the WWE has hosted several events there too as part of my research for Saudi Arabia. Mm. Um, so very interesting to have exposed men being in their you know, trunks or you know, with very limited garments uh, wrestling each other and that being allowed. So um, not sure how that got over the line, but it's good to see basically, you know, um, them to sort of adapt to some of the Western culture, and you know, if they want tourism to increase, and they have sort of have to adopt our ways. Um, mm. There's no, there's no question about that. Uh, moving on with these fun facts, um, the country provides free public health care, so not only do you not have to pay for water, which might not come every day, but you don't have to pay for uh, public health care either, which is quite handy. I mean, you know, if you've been having a little bit too much junk food or, you know, instead of waiting for the water, you've been sinking too many Coca-Colas. Um, obviously, your health is going to deteriorate quite rapidly. And you know what? Who gives a shit because you've got free public health care? Um, John, thoughts on that? Very fun fact. So Saudi Arabia actually has an obesity epidemic. Uh, <laughs> this stems from there. So, again, I had this expectation. I was proven so wrong. Just time and time after again, I was proven wrong. Every single American fast food chain you could think of is there. Mm. Way more than we have in Australia, I'm talking about. Your uh, the likes of Shake Shack, uh, Five Guys Burgers, Cheesecake Factory, IHOP, uh, wow. Italy. They have every single American mm. chain you can think of. How about McDonald's? <laughs> Definitely, they have McDonald's. They have Burger King. Mm. It, Interesting fact on restaurants while we're here, actually. Saudi Arabia actually have uh, all the restaurants are split in half and they're split right down the middle. This is one thing that probably shocked me the most, and it's the segregations. I've actually witnessed segregation in practice. One side is purely for males. The other side is essentially for families. Uh, Reason being is because if you're a female, you cannot leave the house without either your father or brother present. So really? whenever you go to any sort of restaurant, you are segregated into two different groups. Oh, wow. Shocking. I made the mistake of stepping into the wrong one once and I learned <laughs> that you're not supposed to. Jeez. Shit. So, just... wait, father or brother? What happens if you're married so the husband does is, is not enough or that's okay? 
No, no. Once you're married, you're part of uh, the husband's family. So. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Wow. That is very interesting, and yeah, it's something that it's you definitely wouldn't experience anywhere that we can go, or mm. quite easily. That's for sure. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with taking the miso out for a, you know a couple of zinger fillets. Um. Mm. You know, just on a on a cheat day, which might be Sunday for a fair few of you listeners, and obviously, you know, if she just goes by herself to get some takeaway, well, she might have some issues there and might not mm. be able to do it at all. And Jeez. hopefully, Uber Eats sort of comes to the rescue. But if it doesn't, well, I guess you have to make the journey with her. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's what it is. But yeah, so free public healthcare services, um, quite handy if you like to indulge in some of those uh, fattening foods. And there's also no personal income tax. Now this is uh, this is quite common around the uh, I guess the you know the peninsula that Saudi Arabia occupies, and that peninsula is called the Arabian Peninsula. So I do know for a fact that uh, the United Arab Emirates also ha- offers a zero percent um, income tax rate. Um, Brilliant. But this is only for you know the Saudi Arabia residents and or those that are of Arabic religion and faith. However, there is also a 20% flat tax rate for non-Saudi and non-resident individuals. So they do have tax. It's just if you are born there, live there, uh, believe in all their stuff, then, yeah, you get away scot-free. John? I might be a little bit, um, how do I put it? I'll just be crude. Uh, They can be quite discriminative. Uh, so, though Saudi Arabian people don't like to work that much, so people who are serving you in restaurants, they're all Filipinos um, who yeah. are basically yeah. in the country working at cheaper rates. They're the ones who, who are paying tax. Uh, I'll just add to that interesting fact on tax. Petrol is also very cheap. Oh, yeah. um, it, it was 20 cents a litre. Uh, the government... Doubled it overnight to forty cents, and everyone was spitting chips. Um, but no, that that's uh, just comes on to the whole tax debate. The country is quite wealthy. Yeah, right. yeah, Very absolutely. Um, you, take, you take the twenty percent uh, tax rate anyway if you're a, a non-resident. That's not bad. Yeah, and geez, John, you were quite crude. Um, <laughs> thank, thanks for giving me the heads up. Wow, geez. Um, so there is some sort of tax though. Um, there is a 2.5% tax levied on assets that you own. So, you know, if you obviously got a good accountant and you've got three on the podcast right now, well, hit us up. But, um, you know, you can sort of scheme yourself in a way to make yourself quite asset poor but income rich. And, uh, boy, we know how to do that. So, you know, just hit us up and we'll charge you top dollar. But you can get there. That's if you reside in Saudi Arabia, of course. Um, but obviously most Western countries are levied on other ways and taxed on, on other means. But, um, yeah, that's, that's just an interesting little uh, taxation point for Saudi Arabia. Um, I guess enough about those uh, boring statistics like that. Let's uh, let's touch on water again. Um, Sam uh, started it off and I finished it off. So how about you start it off again this time, Sam? Uh, sure. I'd love to. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Saudi Arabia has got the largest desalination, desalination plant in the world. Um, so fun fact, very fun fact, uh, a litre of portable water is more expensive to produce um, than a litre of oil in Saudi Arabia. So that's, yeah, it's interesting. Um, that's fun. 
it's extremely fun. <laughs> um, also, uh, it's the only country in the world without uh, a natural river. Yeah, so it's um, it's very interesting. Obviously, that's why it makes it so difficult. And having so much oil, you know, it's pretty pretty easy for them to um, get it out of the ground now. So it's uh, not very expensive. Um, so uh, it's uh, it's prohibited to drink alcoholic beverages as well in Saudi Arabia. Um, obviously, being a you know a Muslim uh, country, which makes sense. Um, the only problem with that is you know you got no no knockoffs after work um, with uh, you know with the missus or with uh, you know whoever it might be if you want to spice up the the sex life after a big shift. And John um, can't do those uh, Friday drinks, taking his shirt off and yeah. uh, sculling a pint and yep. get caught right-handed and has to scull again. But, John, yeah, what do you reckon? Just quickly, a couple of interesting points there, just to add my point of view. So there's an old wives' tale that if you go into that diplomatic quarter that we're talking about uh, before you could actually get alcohol, that's only if you're actually invited into the British consulate. Apparently, they do the best parties in the whole country. Obviously, when it's a consulate, it's another country's land, uh, so they can drink alcohol. But those rules on alcohol, I believe they apply to some people, so definitely not the people in the royal family. They make up their own rules. Mm. And also, if you live in uh, one of the cities in Saudi Arabia, which is close to Bahrain, which I believe is called Al-Kabar, literally you just drive drive across the border for the weekend to Bahrain, and this is what all the locals do. They go, they drink, they party, and they come back to Saudi Arabia. So um, I guess we're all humans. We all have have human tendencies. Uh, So just take everything you hear with a pinch of salt. Mm. Right. I love Mm. salt. Mm. Himalayan salt, of course. We've got a similar place where we go to drink. Some people do. The Aqabar, not the Aqabar. It's similar. (laughs) Absolutely. That's a fine establishment there. Um, don't have to cross any borders for that. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that is interesting. But then you're giving us that real-life perspective where, you know, these um, Muslim-abiding citizens are still crossing borders and um, are, you know, potentially um, consuming this particular beverage that is prohibited. So, mm. you know, we, we can not confirm or deny it, but, you know, it may or may not happen. So... Yeah, I mean, obviously I've just treaded water there, but um, I haven't really steered you to any side. But that's just up to your own perception. And if you are a of you know Muslim religion, uh, maybe you can you know hit us up and give us your perspective on it. Um, is it? I mean, if you do you know have a drop of alcohol that hits your tongue, are you sort of um, spit upon by your faith, or is are you sort of are you forgiven? Because I mean, humanity hasn't gotten this far without curiosity. Let's put it this way. Um, curiosity has led us to adventures and you know we wouldn't have been able to you know go to other land masses and continents without curiosity and adventure so maybe alcohol is part of it um, and I'm guessing you know there's a fair few uh, there's a fair few births that have happened over the years through alcohol as well it's a, it's a delicious social lubricant but yeah nonetheless we uh, we definitely digress Um Speaking of driving before with the Holden Commos and Samstorms and Samstorm, um, Saudi Arabia is the only country in the world to ban women from driving. Do you ever see a woman there, John, drive, or that is true? 
that that has just changed so they just changed the rules around that and females are now allowed to drive obviously like i said before there's some uh, tension or differing views on this exact matter um the company mm. that i work with uh the multinational is in insurance so fun fact there actually hasn't been an increase in insurance claims because females have been allowed to drive Jeez. there you go that's uh that's great news i mean yeah, maybe some of the best rally car drivers might be women. You just give them a chance, I suppose. And you know, obviously, with most of the uh, land in Saudi Arabia being desert, um, you, know, you could do your own little Dakar rally over there and mm. you know, put your pedal to the metal. Um, we've touched on birth control being illegal in Saudi Arabia, so I'm guessing uh, if you go to the convenience store, Sam, you can't, um, or even John as well, he's been there, um, you can't pick up any you know, pack of extra large Four Seasons. <laughs> Or the ribbed ones, so I'm guessing none of that's uh, none of that's found over there. Mm. If they sell well, glab, can't say maybe, I specifically yeah. went shopping for them, but yeah, okay. Um, we'll take your word for it. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The duty free ones are a bit cheaper. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, unless you like to go all natural and you know you've mm. you've got some sort of you can control your um, pecker like a valve and. Turn her roll, off and on. Roll the dice. Mm. <laughs> or roll the dice. <laughs> Saudi Arabia, now you. this is relating straight to you, John. Saudi Arabia has the world's largest airport, named the King Khaled Airport. Um, can you yeah? Can you let us know about that? I mean, I've been to a few big airports around the world, but I haven't been to that one. If they are that fact, I can refute and deny the airport wasn't... All that uh, cracks up to be from your hmm. Google research. Uh, <laughs> definitely not not that big in my opinion. Pretty, I'd say. It's probably second grade airport. It's not like any of the great airports of the world, such, a, such as uh, Shanghai. Mm. Oh, yeah, what about uh, Hong Kong? How does that compare to Hong Kong? Oh, Hong Kong Air- Airport is on the same scale as Shanghai, whereas yeah, uh, it, it was it was quite disappointing. The airport uh, yeah, right. the lounge was a bit o- o- overcrowded, but the the lamb sh- shawarma wraps were really good in the lounge. So shout out to <laughs> uh, whoever made them for me. Yeah, delicious. Mm, King Khaled right uh, Airport. Any relation to DJ Khaled? You reckon? Third cousin. <laughs> yeah, you talk about quite a big royal family potential, Sam. I, I could definitely see the nexus there. Mm. I think he's the seven thousandth and first prince, DJ. Um, mm. But yeah, anyway. Um, so moving on, there is um, a contemporary Saudi legend that when Winston Churchill was determining the boundaries between Saudi Arabia and Jordan. He actually hiccuped from too much brandy um, and his hand slipped as he was sort of tracing or drawing the border. And basically, the slip allowed Saudi Arabia several thousand square kilometers um, of very valuable Jordanian land. Now, uh, this tract of land is actually known as the Winston's Hiccup. So, geez, he must have been... uh, Singing a few a few whiskeys that night, and yeah, or maybe there was a bit of uh, undue influence there as well. But I mean, if you you know hiccuped and stuffed up a couple of borders, imagine going home to the missus that night. Bloody hell, probably had a couple of kids after that too. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, that's, that's just an interesting point, actually. Winston's hiccup is because mm. of him having a hiccup and fucking up the borders. But, I mean, what has some pom got to do with fucking deciding the borders there? I mean, I'm not too much on the history of it, but you uh, could just fucking piss off and go to a Premier League match and shut your mouth. <laughs> so, yeah. Sam, a um, bit of witchcraft. Why don't you touch up on that, please? Yeah, let's um, yeah, flick through a few more of these fun facts. Um, we're pushing it for time, but we'll uh, we'll get there. So, um, Saudi Arabia uh, takes witchcraft very seriously. Apparently, I don't know. We'll have to get John's opinion on this one too. But apparently, they've banned the Harry Potter books, um, and the government set up an anti-witchcraft action unit. Um, and so they're really against witchcraft. John, did you witness any witchcraft uh, craft over there, or, or hatred towards uh, witchcraft? Oh, definitely I would never get involved in anything like that, especially in a country such as KSA. I'd be running the other way. Yeah. I, yeah. I heard you were in the gym at your hotel and you, on your boombox you had the um, Chamber of Secrets audio book um, <laughs> <laughs> blasting out and they fucking wanted your head. <laughs> yes, secretly I was even wearing shorts in the hotel too, so uh, Ooh, the hotel's where, where it's at. Shit. Yeah, very nice. She's no um, Expelliarmus or any of those spells from Harry Potter, that's for sure. Um, yeah, let's push through a few more fun facts. Um, apparently, beef isn't uh, part of most Saudis' diets. Um, funny, well, I guess, John, you're not uh, a native to the uh, – or native Saudi there anyway. So um, uh, they reckon they prefer to actually consume camels. So definitely want to get your opinion or experience on that, John. Um, did Have you, you tried a camel? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So they took us out. Um, the office who I work for just saying the Saudi people are very hosp- hospitable people. They took us out every night. I did try camel. If you do go, I recommend trying it. Just be wary for the culture shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have never seen anyone eat with their with their hands, you will have a very big culture shock <laughs> lamb is also lamb and goat is also quite big mm-hmm. we had the whole lamb's head on a platter f- for us which is a gesture of uh, goodwill and then we ate the tongue to show that we appreciate their goodwill and a hot tip on the dessert try the kanafi very okay. good it's a sort of a saudi arabian uh, type of gatayifi for anyone who's greek <laughs> oh yeah nice <laughs> Delicious. Um, so you gave the old lamb head a bit of tonguey. <laughs> Delicious. Um, speaking of camel, Sam, um, mm. and that's interesting. What, quickly, John, what, is, what does camel taste like? Mm. It's just a little bit gamey. So like, a, like a, a gamey Yeah, if you fit correct, if you think of your gamey meats like a kangaroo, mm. things like, like that, uh, or venison, oh. deer, yeah. Mm. Okay. Sounds delicious. So, yeah, Fair speaking enough. of camel, I reckon around about 100 camels are sold in the capital of Saudi Arabia um, each day, being the capital of Riyadh, um, at the large camel markets. And uh, just a you know a little quick side note, camel milk is actually very, very rich in many nutrients that are important for the overall health. Um, so when it comes to calorie, protein, and carb content, camel milk is comparable to whole cow's milk. So maybe the Saudis have, uh, you know, they're, they're onto something there with uh, – mm the old uh, camel milk and maybe sucking on the old camel tit and getting some, you know, liquid camel down their throats. Why not? Mm. That white substance down there. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> I mean, you got to get that calcium somehow. 
thought you were um, talking about uh, caramel milk, not camel milk. Sorry. Yeah, well, I guess both. Imagine a, uh, a milkshake with caramel milk and camel milk. Wow. Mm. Great concoction. Fuck yeah. Um, death penalty. This is interesting. Uh, so the death penalty can be imposed, and you did mention some of the bloodbaths that happened there with the beheadings, but it can be imposed for a wide range of offences, including murder, rape, armed robbery, repeated drug use, um, adultery, witchcraft, um, sorcery, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and obviously beheading with a sword, stoning or a firing squad, or even crucifixion. Jeez. Sure. So you wouldn't want to fuck around there, John, and I guess no Harry Potter dress-up theme parties for you. <laughs> Uh, also, if you just want to walk into the Turkish embassy, you also get a death sentence too. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> if anyone, uh, just look at uh, Mr. Khashoggi. Okay. Very famous case where in Istanbul went into the Saudi Arabian embassy, never came out. <laughs> mm. Wow. Well, I'm I'm a big uh, advocate for Turkish coffee, so if I was to walk in there, just saying, where's the best hot spot for a good Turkish cafe? Mm. No. Fuck it, I'm not gonna die. I'll, I'll, if anything, I'll you know prove my worth and I'll, I'll make him a cup and I'll sh- say to him, "Hey, you're gonna kill this sort of bloke." You so, probably would die, Terry. Uh, from my experience of the coffee in Saudi Arabia, they add cumin seeds, ground cumin oh, seeds, to oh, the coffee, horrible. and uh, cumin seeds or cardamom. Actually, I can't remember. So yeah, I think I think it's cardamom. But it was it was horrible. Yeah, it was absolutely horrible. It just it just killed the whole flavour of the coffee. And I, I actually went to Dunkin' Donuts across the road and got the coffee there because <laughs> it was just terrible. Mm, yeah, I've, I've heard of cardamom in, inside a coffee and, boy, I keep telling people, don't fucking ruin it with sugar or milk and you're putting cardamom in there. Just grow up. Just just coffee, please. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and also, this is controversial, but it's known that homosexuals can actually be put to death as well in the country. Um, so obviously they're uh, they um, yeah they're sick and tired of all this fucking gay pride bullshit. So um, they uh, obviously yeah they just don't want to put up with it and straight to death. So I mean I'm not going to get comments on that. That's just what I've read and the statistics show it. So it is what it is for them. I mean it's a cliche to say it, but yeah, unfortunate if you sort of go that way. Um, you can't yeah. hold a woman's hand in public, Terry, so uh, I wouldn't definitely go holding. Well, actually, men do hold hands. It's a sign of respect there. Oh, wow. In terms okay. of. Okay. But don't get in any of these ideas. <laughs> no, I won't. Sam, don't get ideas that you can hold my hand and it's okay. Damn it. Um, just let's end on a, on a nice note. And I mean, this is one of my uh, favorite areas of life. Um, sometimes, you know, after hard, you know, hard yakka, hard day's work, you love coming home to a nice, hearty, warm meal. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some food and drink there in Saudi Arabia. Um, so some of the common food items in Saudi Arabian cuisine include wheat, rice, lamb, chicken, yogurt, potatoes, seafood, dates. Uh, they love their dates. That's for sure. Um, you tried a date over there, John? The best dates come from Saudi Arabia. I believe it's a city called Medina. The Medina dates are fantastic. I brought a whole pack uh, stuffed with pistachios for my family mm. over over Christmas time. It was just marvellous. These dates are just... Have you declared those at uh, customs when you come back into Australia? Uh, I always declare everything, but actually when I came back into the country, I got hammered. By border force, uh, as uh, to what I was doing in Saudi Arabia. 
Yeah, right. Especially <laughs> yeah. coming back with that beard too. Jesus. Um, yeah, and so dates, Saudi Arabia is actually ranked the fourth in the world for producing dates. Um, it's a very common snack. Um, obviously, it's it's got those uh, really nutritious uh, natural sugars and you could even take out the missus on a date to eat dates. So, yeah, I mean, that's just a little tip there for you, Saudis. Um, so some of their traditional foods in KSA is shawarma, and um, you just touched on that before, uh, John. You must have loved the old uh, marinated and spit-roasted lamb, um, just like a Greek souvla. What did you have it with, a bit of uh, chips and salad or I mean, a bit of an AB style? Oh, sh- of- shawarma stole my heart literally every day lunch i'd get a shawarma and then they'd come in with these fantastic dips of um uh, wait hummus or oh, the hummus was so good and then they Yogurt had dip. the eggplant dip the eggplant dip what's that one they're called baba ganoush baba ganoush that baba ganoush oh. i would do anything to go back and have that baba ganoush it was just <laughs> fantastic absolutely sounds great um, yeah, you could get some woman dunking her toe in bubble ganoush and I'd lick it off. It's fucking delicious. <laughs> um, hey, I mean, some people have a foot fetish. I don't discriminate against a foot. We've all got them, so why hate them? Uh, moving on, because that's definitely not a tasty treat. But no. what it is is uh, some kabsa. I don't know if you had this, John, but it's a blend of basmati rice cooked with a variety of meats, vegetables, and spices. It's like a Saudi version of uh, paella. Um, so it's like a sort of a brownie golden style of rice. Um, they love that over there. And did you love it? And did you try it? I definitely loved it. I believe they also put some uh, raisins in in there too. Uh, wow. Quite tasty food. Uh, however, like I said before, they're very hospitable. The serving sizes are through the roof, and it's just it it just really plays into the whole when we talked about health and uh, obesity epidemic that they have. But it's because they are very hospitable people and they want to show, yes, we can feed you all this. Look, you're our guest. We're going to treat you with respect. Mm. No, I love it. Thank you, Saudis. Um, and there's also uh, tamiz, which is a flatbread traditionally uh, baked in a tandoor or, or a cylindrical uh, clay or um, metal oven. Um so I'm guessing, you know, some Indians have sort of the naan bread and stuff that's cooked in a similar way, but they've got their own. Um, one interesting one, and I guess this is sort of the elephant in the room, is that Islamic dietary laws forbid the eating of pork. Um, so I'm guessing uh, for you two individuals, uh, no Italian sausages or um, capagolo there and, no. you know, be spewing. Um, yeah. You know, no. maybe mortadella because it's made out of horse, but um, but yeah, none of those saucy pork baby back ribs on the charcoal. Um, yeah, couldn't deal without that. That's uh, that's horrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm guessing with a, a good shawarma, um, as John would say, uh, he loved it, and you know, you sort of forget about those uh, pork cravings. But no. yeah, no pork, and th- that's pretty much worldwide or world known um, that they can't eat it. So, I mean, you just live without it. Um, what do you think, John? Oh, I definitely got the pork on my fork before I went. It was fantastic. <laughs> Two weeks I lived without it. One of my colleagues is Asian. He eats pork literally every day. He mm. was struggling quite a bit, but uh, I found it fine. Mm. Um, yeah, and so animals must be butchered in a halal way and blessed before they can be eaten. So we also got to acknowledge that. So obviously it's not pork, but everything else um, needs to be butchered in a halal way. Um 
So there are some specific uh, guidelines and rules and regulations in regards to that. Um, so, yeah, just contact your local halal butcher for those uh, pro tips. And then uh, just the traditional drinks. Um, you know, you got teas and coffees. They love their hot drinks over there. And even in UAE, and I've been there, they've, they love, they really enjoy their hot, hot drinks. And it's quite sort of a um, bit of a contrast, especially with the hot weather. They love the hot drinks. So it's a bit weird. But um, they love Turkish coffee um, and also Arabian coffee, which, you know, I might actually thoroughly enjoy my world coffee tour over there um milk is actually quite popular especially from a camel so maybe nothing better than a cup of camel um you know dunking those scotch fingers in there and maybe a tim tam slam and then uh, yeah last but not least a yogurt drink called laban um is popular uh, especially on those hot dry 50 degree days so yeah i love a good mm. cup of yogurt just sink it down and maybe get a napkin in case there's any uh spillage on the side but yeah, what are your thoughts Beautiful. on the whole cuisine and, and beverages over there, John? I mean, you know, you do you do love uh, consuming a nice feed and you know, down a few uh, hydrating beverages. Fantastic cuisine. Uh, I actually ate quite a bit of Lebanese food there, so yeah, right. Yeah, nice. Well, it's quite not too far. You can see this. Yeah, you you can see the similarities there. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely, and um. So that's basically all the fun facts we have and everything we have for you today. John, just before we uh, wrap things up, anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to share about Saudi Arabia? I mean, like, what's can you buy alcohol and duty-free? Just a quick one. Or no, even that's very bad. Uh, you even got to worry about the alcohol content in your mouthwash if you go there. They can get quite strict. Um, interesting fact for your listeners. Okay, world's biggest companies actually in Saudi Arabia. I won't tell you the name. We'll see if anyone can guess it and see if they could shoot off an email or Twitter to your handle. And the hand, handle is at Turnstone's pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, what is that big company? He's not going to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, so. you hear uh, when uh, there's a post on your Twitter handle. But for anyone who can't be bothered going, it's a Saudi Aramco. Or it's an oil company. Mm. Oh, right, yes. And the they girl. listed 1.25% on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, and now they're, they're worth over $2 trillion, the world's biggest company. Is wow. that it? Jeez. Huge. Not bad. All right, like let's that. wrap it up then, boys. Thanks, uh, thanks John, um, for joining us today and giving us uh, insights. Um, really appreciated your, uh, you know, your commentary throughout the uh, the, the show. So uh, hopefully we can get you back uh, for a future show as our, uh, you know, foreign correspondent. Um, so yeah, might have a few countries on the list to discuss with you. Yeah, no, I really appreciate. Not a problem. Um, you know, taking the time out of your day, and sometimes it might not be day where you are. It might be night. Um, given that you're our foreign correspondent and. You know, you're darting all over the world. I mean, who's to say next you're not going to be in bloody the Faroe Islands that I um, rubbished before? And I apologise <laughs> if you're a Faroe Islander. But, um, yeah, I mean, no disrespect to you guys. But, yeah, I mean, looking forward to a next uh, catch-up and maybe you can give us another insight on something else. But, yeah, anything you want to leave, leave the, uh, the stoners with? Oh, I guess if there's any topic that any of the stoners want, uh uncovered or some more insight on just let us know i'm sure if it involves a foreign country i will be able to provide some valuable insights to turning those stones 
All right. John, thank you very much. And thank you for listening. Our Twitter and Instagram handle is at TurnstonesPod. Sam, what is it? At TurnstonesPod. Get around it. Thank you. Good night.